Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen. Human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson! And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20. The 10, the 5, touchdown! Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we are going to answer some mailbag questions. So for that, we bring in our friend who is the host of Blewett's Blitz over at Jets X Factor, Mr. Joe Blewett. Joe, what's up, brother? I feel like your mailbags are usually like, uh, you know, part one, part two. But the way that me and you ramble together sometimes, it, it we might have like part five, six, seven <laughs> coming. So uh, it should be interesting. My first my first mailbag. So I'm excited to take some uh, questions that not, aren't necessarily centered around film. Let's start with Sean Stalker. He says, let's say Pittsburgh calls up to trade for number 10 to get ahead of Washington. And Joe, by the way, in case you weren't aware, Pittsburgh picks 20th. They offer two deals. One with next year's first and a few late round picks, a la what the Bears gave up to the Giants for Justin Fields, or you can have their second and third round picks this year, plus a late rounder. Which one would you take? Personally, I would love a third year with two first round picks. It's a tough call because I come at it from two different perspectives. The first thought is exactly what you said, Sean. You would love to have that first rounder next year. But on the other end of it, you've got a second year quarterback and getting premium assets now to help him now 
is very important. And it also would allow you to take care of the defense without having to worry about, oh no, do we spend too much on defense and not spend enough on offense with draft picks? So I don't know, man. This is a tough question. I could go either way on this. I guess I would probably say I would want their first rounder next year only because this year's second and third rounders aren't that high. I think their second rounder is like 52 and their third rounder is like 86 or something like that. Whereas if they have a rookie quarterback, there's a decent chance that the first rounder will be relatively high next year. So I'd probably go that route. But you could probably twist my arm into taking the two and the three and the later round pick this year only because, like I said, it would allow you to address a whole lot of needs right now with your rookie quarterback going into year number two. Yeah, it's like, are you patient enough? And I'm not necessarily the most patient person. And like you said, like I want to help Zach Wilson um, right now and and get all the weapons or you know get even help on defense, which will in turn help the offense for him at uh at this moment, and like you know, how many mock drafts we both do a, a day now? You know, I, I I secretly do at least at least five to ten. Like it, it, it happens all the time. I'm just bored. <laughs> yeah, you know, on the on the toilet. Okay, mock draft. Like it just it, it just is what it is. Um, and we want to fill all those positions. So like so trading down and not getting more picks for this year would hurt. But I, I think the the smarter thing to do is kind of what you said. Like you're looking at a Steelers team who was near near the playoffs. You know, uh, what a, a game for missing the playoffs this year. Um. Oh, no, they actually made it. Sorry, they actually made the playoffs this year, so I forgot. Um, they they beat the the Ravens, right, the last week to, to get to the playoffs. So going into a transition year with a, you know, probably a rookie quarterback, maybe, maybe a Jameis Winston, but are players going to leave? Uh, you know, I'm not really sure where their franchise is is heading. So, what are, you know, with their pick being 20 this year, are you going to bet on their pick being lower than 20 next year? You know, I, I think it's more – realistic that it's probably in the 12 to 15 range because i think they'll always be solid but is is the let's just say the 14th pick next year more valuable than pick 52 and whatever the third round pick is you know this year let's say 52 and you know 84 and you know whatever the late round pick is going to be 215 like it, it, it is so i think it's a smarter thing to do you just have to be a little bit you know patient to do so which i don't necessarily have the most uh, patience so Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Nicholas Joseph. He says, if the top two edge rushers, Thibodeau and Hutchinson, are gone at number four, you'd take Johnson or even Karloftis at 10, right? Trying to get an edge at 35 would just seem stupid for the Jets. And if you're thinking wide receiver at 10, there seems to be a lot more value in the second round with wide receiver than the edges, correct? Yes, absolutely. I actually agree with everything you said. So at number 10, if the Jets don't get an edge, let's say at number four they get Iquanu or Neal, then at number 10 I'd be looking edge or corner. And Joe, we were actually talking about this before we started recording, and we talked about a lot of stuff before we started recording, as we tend to do. And I think we agree that getting an edge at 10 or getting a corner at 10, depending on who's on the board, would be the move here. And we both love Ahmad Gardner, so I would be very happy if they wound up with him at 10. I think we'd both be fine with either Johnson or Karloftis at 10 if they were to get an offensive lineman at 4 and Gardner were off the board. I would be fine with Trent McDuffie or Derek Stingley Jr. at 10. And I also agree, I just don't see the value with a receiver at number 10. I don't think any of these guys stands out far above the pack. There are about six to eight of them that are all in relatively the same range. I expect one, maybe two, maybe even three of them to fall to the second round. So if the Jets really want a receiver there, I think they'll be able to get one. I might even consider waiting to the third round, but I just think with edge, with corner, with tackle, it's much harder to get excellent value past the first round and particularly past the early part of the first round than it is with receiver because we see every year receivers come off the board in the second, third, fourth round who end up helping teams right away in a big way. Joe, I remember a couple of years ago, you and I were texting back and forth in that draft where Denzel Mims ended up going to 59. We didn't expect that, but we were talking about all the receivers that you could still get. Michael Pittman Jr., T. Higgins flew off the board at the beginning of the round, and then you had Chase Claypool. Obviously, Denzel Mims went later. Van Jefferson Ironically, with the exception of the guy the Jets actually took, Denzel Mims, all of those guys have become very good receivers in the NFL. So I just think you are 100% correct, Nicholas. Go edge or go corner at 10 if you go tackle at 4 and then worry about receiver at 35, 38, the third round or whatever because there's just much more value at receiver in those rounds than there is at edge or at corner. Yeah, that that was that was all that's that's loaded how you answered that too. So I'm, yeah, I, and I pretty much agree with you on everything you said. Like the only thing I differ with a little bit is like the the Stingley thing at ten. I w- I would stay away from it just because the injuries. I just you know with the Jets injuries of the last couple of years, I just want to stay away from a often injured guy who I think is a little bit um, more like high risk, high reward type guy. 
um, than people think he is, at least based on what I've seen. Um, but yeah, I, I think obviously if those guys are gone, you know, my ideal guy is is a Quanu there again, not a big Neil guy. Um, but let's just say it's a Quanu, and then at ten, it would be one of the edge rushers, you know. And, and I love Sauce Gardner too. Um, I know you were high on him for a while. I actually just did a show on him a couple of days ago, um, and uh, I'm usually kind of a prick in terms of evaluating corners, and I really, really like him. Like he could be a legitimate number one in this league. So. With that being said, like, I like him more than Carl Loftus and um, a guy like Jermaine Johnson. But the problem is edge goes so quick. And you're talking about mm-hmm. edge minus quarterback is the most probably probably the, the, the quickest position to be go, go off the board, like the good ones. Like a top edge goes over a top tackle. A top edge goes over a top corner typically um, because they're so damn hard to find. So if you're looking at guys in the in the second round, you know, the Trayvon Walker or Cam Thomas or Drake Jackson or whoever it is, there's probably a reason they fell down so far because edge rushers do not fall. So, you know, you need to invest premium um, capital in premium positions and edge is, is a much bigger or much more premium position than receiver. And like I say with receiver, like, you know, the, you, know, you said the Pittmans, the, the, the clay pools, the, uh, uh, what's his name? Van Jefferson uh, this year, even Elijah Moore. like, and the thing with receivers this year in terms of you know, the positions we want, again, my, my, preferably at 10 is is edge uh corner you can probably convince me to linebacker which i wouldn't do um you know over those guys but still over a receiver like these guys what's the difference between you know the the top receivers in the draft between the drake was drake london uh i guess jameson williams garrett wilson and burks are like the top four guys now like what what is the difference between those guys and the jamar dotsons and bells and tolbert's of the world you could probably get in the second round. Like, is it, is it worth that premium investment from the difference from those guys to 30 picks later or 25, 30 picks later, whatever it is um, in round two. And in this draft, like you compare this draft to other drafts, would, would Burks or Wilson or one of these guys go above any of the last receivers of the last like two, three years, like the Jerry Judy's lambs rugs minus everything else that he, that he did. Um, Devante Smith's, uh, Waddles, Jamar Chase. No, like I think these guys would be, if you combine all those classes together, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth type deal. Um, and we're going to take them at 10, which is obviously a very premium pick. I just don't see it being as, or, uh, as talented as in years past. And I don't see the difference in talent from round one to two. And this is an overstatement. And I admit that before I even say it. So I'll preface it with that. Like the way that the way that college offenses are throwing the ball, there's so many more, good receivers coming out like and it's not it's not exactly to this but like running backs like you can get one and obviously running backs you look at in the fourth fifth sixth round but receivers now it's starting to be like second third fourth round you're finding studs all over the place more second third but still it's just the first couple rounds are always loaded so i don't think investing a premium you know premium a premium pick in a non-premium position that's not an absolute stud just makes sense like if again if it was jamar chase Waddle, one of those guys, you might be, and Waddle's obviously not Chase, but you know that next step down, like you can, you might be able to convince me. But there's just nobody in that class who's like that. So I, I think a receiver would be a, a waste of a pick. And like um, the um, the question stated, um, get that edge rusher. That's that's the ideal um, pick if uh, offensive lines the, the first pick. So Jermaine Johnson, Carl Loftus, Sauce Gardner, um, I can make an exception for a ten. And Joe, just to add on to what you were saying, I don't think Trayvon Walker's making it to the second round, and I wouldn't be surprised if Drake Jackson and Cam Thomas don't make it to the second round, because as you said, usually when these guys are really talented edge rushers, somebody grabs them before they get to the second round, so we'll see how it shakes out, but as you said in your question, Nicholas, I think there's just so much more value at 10 
with a corner or, as you pointed out, an edge than there is a wide receiver. And speaking of wide receivers, Johnny Ova asks, if Jamison Williams falls to the Jets in round two, do they take him? I don't believe he'll be there and the Jets need players now, but would you roll the dice on this guy who could potentially be the best receiver in this class? It all depends on what your medical team is telling you. If they're confident that he's going to make a full recovery, even if he's going to miss time, like let's say it's something along the lines of Bryce Hall, right, where you're convinced he's going to miss six to eight games, but your doctors say he'll make a full recovery and he'll be able to do what he did at Alabama, at that rate, I think you might have to do it because you could make a case, a legitimate one, that Williams is the best receiver in this class. And if not, he's very close. And what really impressed me was not only what you saw from him throughout the year, the home run hitting ability, the speed, but I thought he really showed you something in that Cincinnati game where they schemed to take away the deep balls to him. And he basically turned into the possession receiver because John Mechie was out and did a really good job at it. So he showed you another aspect of his game. And while he didn't hit home runs in that game, I thought it actually did a lot to prove that he's a well-rounded receiver. So if your medical team tells you they think he'll make a full recovery but he's gonna miss say six to eight games his rookie year and he makes it to round two I think you've got to strongly consider it yeah this is like a you know at, at that point I'm almost like rather go balls to the wall with like Chris Godwin if we're talking about trusting the medical team obviously the medicals could be different but um yeah it's like I, I agree with you Scott but there's three que- there's like there's questions in return to that like okay what do they do in free agency mm-hmm. you know like if, if they if they trade for Amari Cooper or they sign Alan Robinson one of these guys Am I going to do it at, at 35 or 38? Probably not. Um, and then another question is, you know, what does the medicals look like? Like, like you said, says so another one. Um, and then three, what does the board look like? You know, like, and, and it's such like a cop out, but it, it's, it's the truth. Like if there's a player um, there, like a, like a Lewis Kine or, or a, you know, whoever we like, let's say it is, you know, we don't get that edge rusher and it, and it is a Cam Thomas or something like that falls, or it is a Trey McBride. And one of those guys you feel confident is ready to make an impact now. I'd probably take one of those guys over him um, because, you know, my, my need for offense is kind of now, you know, for, for Zach Wilson, like I don't want to stun his growth anymore because I, it, you know, it's not necessarily, it wasn't stunted, but in year one, I don't think him getting hit a thousand times versus the the Panthers was good. I don't think him hit, getting hit what 22 times out on, on 20 dropbacks with the bills, which seems impossible, but he got hit, hit on handoffs <laughs> is a good thing. And obviously, you know, that's, that's offensive line, but I want to surround Wilson now. And the thing with receiver too, is like receiver you, you, typically, obviously minus Jamar chases of the world and, and the freaks out there, it takes guys a little bit to adjust. So now you're taking away a training camp uh, and he's coming off an injury. You know, when is he going to be fully geared up and, and ready to go? Like even year two, when he's coming in, is, is he fully ready to go? So um, I don't think I would do it because I think there's going to be other players on the board because I don't think this, this draft is definitely not top heavy, but it seems like it's pretty heavy in those second through uh, fourth type rounds. So I think there's going to be players on the board worth picking more. Again, I, I, if you're a team who can sacrifice a couple of weeks, you know, half the season for that, I, I'm fine with it. But Zach Wilson, if you are going to invest a, pre- a premium capital into one of those guys, and I know it's not like premium, like top 10, but it's upper tier capital. Um, whether it be free agency dollars or draft picks, I think that guy on offense needs to compete now. If it was defense, and let's say this is a corner who was injured and was supposed to be a top 10 guy, top 15 guy, okay, I can make that argument. But obviously, um, that's not the case. Anthony Siglatano asks, what is the single most important contributing factor to the Jets' poor run defense this year? Joe, I'm going to let you answer that one. Um, the fact that the, the, really it was, well, only one thing. Oh, that is really tough. <laughs> because there's, two, there's really two. 
Um, I would say, I, I would say though, the fact that this team had some talent up the middle and they, they lost it all. Like I get the fact that people see the defensive line, they see JFM, they see Q, they see Rankins, they see all these guys fully, but in a four, three, like penetrating front and they're, and they're strict to four, three penetrating front or four, two, five, three, whatever it is, it's always penetrating. And that, that's part of my problem with the coaching staff, which is like kind of my, my second part of this, of this answer, which is kind of cheating would be that the fact that they were so stringent with Foley and played him at, at two, I three, four, I all that stuff when they need to run more hybrid fronts and let Foley two gap and do what he's comfortable with, not penetrate. But that's again, cheating. Cause that's, that's, that's my second reason. My first reason is um, when you have a four-three penetrating front, you're putting a lot of emphasis on the secondary or, or the uh, the linebackers and the safeties because if they're penetrating, if they're missing the gap, you know whether it be um, you know the, those those gap runs, power runs, counter runs, which are uh, penetrating front killers, all that emphasis goes to the second level, and the second level consisted of CJ Mosley. And pretty no, pretty much nobody else. <laughs> you know, you're looking at Quincy Williams. I know he had tackles, but let's be real. He's not a starting linebacker. Uh, you had Sherwood for a little bit. You had Hamsa for a little bit. Uh, you had Delshawn Phillips. You had Ashton Davis, who I'm not sure can tackle my grandma. You had, you know, <laughs> uh, Redwine, Drawd Wilson. So the the main contributor for the bad run defense was uh, – the the second level um the inexperience and a lack of talent there and then kind of cheating um was the coaching staff being too strict to everybody penetrating and not running some bill belichick hybrid type fronts like uh playing the nfl does nowadays next question comes in from damian shaw he says i'm seeing ikum aquanu over evan neal in more and more rankings can you please explain why one keeps rising and the other seems to have fallen I don't know that Evan Neal's really falling. It's just that Iquanu is rising, and in rising to above Neal, he's eclipsing him. So I don't think that it's necessarily that there's anything that people are discovering about Neal. It's just more that they're discovering a lot about Iquanu. Joe, I'll let you answer this because you and I were talking about this a lot before we started recording. I think the big thing here is with Iquanu, there's a nasty streak, especially in the run game, just power that you see. That Evan Neal doesn't necessarily show off. Neal more of a finesse blocker than a power blocker. Also, the ceiling with the Kwanu seems to be much higher. And with Evan Neal, obviously, when you're a bigger guy, you want to see someone who's a mauler. You don't necessarily see that with him. So while if you take Neal, I think you're getting yourself a really good tackle for the next 10 to 15 years and certainly somebody that can help protect your quarterback, I don't know that he has as much potential to be an elite tackle as Aquanu does. Yeah, uh, you know I'm on this train because I'm not a I'm not a big Neil guy. I'm I'm just not. Um, to me, I think he's personally a little bit soft. Uh, I think in the draft where we took Becton, where you had the the, the top four of you know Willis, Wirfs, Thomas, Becton, I think he would easily be fourth or fifth, uh, either right in front of Thomas or right be uh, right behind Thomas. And he's almost like the polar opposite of Andrew Thomas. Like Andrew Thomas was a good run blocker kind of tough and Neil is bigger, uh, good arm length, a little bit soft and a really good pass blocker, but a bad run blocker. Like he does not create a lot of movement um, for a big guy. Even if he catches a guy in the hip and he's unexpected of a block on like a combo, whatever it may be, doesn't move guys a lot. Uh, typically does not bring his feet with him on run blocks. You see him on his face all the time. Um, forward lean scoops from low gets caught in the chest all the time. So his run blocking is to me, it's pretty, it's pretty putrid. I think his pass blocking is good. His, his, his vertical movement from both backing up into, into a kick slide uh, vertical set um, or exploding forward is good. I think he has good hand placement. I think he has good length. I think he has good punch timing, good power in terms of like punch blocking. 
or, uh, or uh, punching, landing his hands, um, latching and screwing. I think that's all good. Uh, but he's a little bit, he's a little bit clunky. Um, at times the lateral movement's not good. So like, I'm not, I'm not a big Neil guy. So for me, it was never that he was like, if they, if the Jets pick him at four personally, I'm very, very disappointed. I, I just don't like the player. And now kind of flipping to Aquano, uh, it's a positional versatility. You know, people say Neil can play uh, guard. I want to hear why, because I don't get it. Um, again, you're a little bit soft. Uh, the tallest guard, I think, in NFL history was 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, so now you're looking at one of the tallest guards in NFL history. You're playing against squatty 6'1", six, 6'2", six, guys who are going to catch in chest really, really quick. Um, I just don't think he has the power or the physicality to match um, where Quanu can play tackle. And, and if you're just looking at a guy strictly pass blocking, I'm much more comfortable with Neil right now. Um, but Quanu can play tackle. He can play guard. And for me personally, watching, you know, film and, and college guys, the Jets have taken for, for a couple of years now, Aquano is one of the nastier offensive linemen I've ever seen. Like he, there are plays where I'm going to put up and I showed on, the, on one of my last streams. He is chasing guys down the field. Not like, not like, oh, this guy finished in my zone. You know, he's two steps away. I'm going to, I'm going to bump him after the play. I've seen him literally chasing defensive backs down the field, like full sprint. It, it is, it is ridiculous how much this guy loves to, to throw guys to the ground. Um, and then on top of that, he has good power. Um, he has he has a good build. I know he's not the longest guy in the world, but he still has a, he still has a thick build. He plays a good extension. He's a, he's a good anchor, good movement skills. He's really good at, at passing combos off. He attacks the hip. He's a, he's a, a good cut blocker. Like There are so many things. I literally have a list of, of 25 strengths that I'm going to put up um, for me. So I really, really like his physical capability. Now, there are some weaknesses. Like He's over-aggressive at times. He definitely needs to stop oversetting. He oversets all the time, and he shoots with two hands. All the, all the time. And if it, you land with two hands, it's great. The problem is when you don't land with two hands, your hips get locked out. Um, and if your hands are defeated, you're locked. And it's really hard to, to drop the post or, 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 you know, get back up the arc um, because your hips are locked. So he has some issues, but in terms of his ceiling, um, attainable ceiling, it's very high. And um, again, he's much, much more of a bully than Neil could ever dream of being. That's going to wrap up part one of the mailbag. We'll have part two for you tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure you check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got some great videos up there taking a look at Dalton Schultz, who could be a Jets target, free agency at tight end. Speaking of tight end, he's got a great video up there of Trey McBride, the tight end out of Colorado State, and what he thinks McBride could do for the Jets offense if the Jets were to draft him. He's got a video up reviewing Zach Wilson most recent performance against the Buffalo Bills and breaking down how he went from being a turnover-prone quarterback to a turnover-free quarterback. That's all on our YouTube channel right now, so check out those videos and subscribe if you haven't already. Visit our store at tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, mugs, hoodies, caps. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. And make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.